0: hi, it's early in the week, but I want to get this out of the way, because uh, I just spoke about uh, this in a class I give to the ladies on Wednesday morning, and since it's in my head now, and I'm going to be very busy, I think, the rest of the week, so um, anyway, let's let's do this. Uh, I do want to, before I proceed, I just spent a very nice weekend with the Raidens in Boca Raton, they were my sponsor for Scotland Residence, I told you, I'm always looking for SIR for conference opportunities and Zeb and Dina Raiden did build the, <laughs> the dream house, but more importantly, uh, a lot of people have a bias Yoffah be Israel, but uh, it's not so easy to have a bias nem be Israel. And the Raidens have a bias nem be Israel, and we had a very nice time, my wife and I. So I want to thank them uh, publicly. We all had a good time. We spoke in the, one of the shuls there, and at Zeb's home. Uh, I do want to uh, thank the the uh, those of you who are uh, contributing. Uh, to the podcast. I know some people said they had trouble figuring out where to send it to. I know know the people who put this together have some kind of uh, uh, preceding line where they tell you where to send things, but that's what we rely on to keep this going, so I do thank you. And today, actually, this uh, Parsha podcast is being sponsored by a friend that I met in in, um, Boca. I'm happy to say that I met a number of people listening to the podcast and things like that. And uh, it's nice to put a face with a name, and uh, I'm appreciative, and I think we all had a good time in that regard. And this is Rabbi Kimchi, Rabbi David Kimchi, who teaches in the high school there, uh, used to be in Near East Yisrael. I'm talking about Neri Yisrael in Baltimore. His father was a rabbi in Neri Yisrael in London. That's a different thing. And uh, he is sponsoring today's Parsha podcast in honor of the Radens, who were my hosts for the uh, weekend in uh, Boca. So it's uh, like, a what, what shall I say, a magic circle of nice people. So thank you, Rabbi Mrs. Kimchi. And I also want to make a shout-out to uh, a friend that I made over the weekend, Rabbi Kasor, who also teaches in the high school in Boca. And uh, he was very nice to me, and he, uh, you know, uh, gave me this uh, new book that the DeCoren put out on on Shamos. I haven't had a chance to read it because as soon as I brought it back to my show in Baltimore, it was snatched up. So I guess people really like it. Uh, I'm not going to say you stole it, but uh, that's a good sign and uh and he also gave me a safe bet for, for me he's a guy's cover i couldn't believe he remembered all that of the drushes that, that came out recently so thank you rabbi kasurla uh as i said before i appreciate you know what it takes to keep this going to all those who sent in um contributions everything is is uh is well used and uh anyway there you have it uh yeah, and as i say i really want to thank those who put together the skull and residence. i've had a couple lately and they're uh, very useful and without any further ado I'm going to uh, proceed, because uh, today is Parshish uh, Mishpatim. And my attention in the last ten years or so has always been addressed to the last part of Parshish Mishpatim, because, as we all know, the first part is a whole bunch of laws, mostly civil law, b'anam l'chaber, you know, torts, and, you know, uh, Shomer, and uh, Nezek, and that sort of thing, obviously, and Eved, but, uh, and a little bit at the end about the holidays. But then when you get to what they call Per at the end, all of a sudden the t- transitions to... A scene We've got God speaking to Moshe, speak but in very interesting ways. That's what I call your attention to today. What is, strikes me is Perchav Dal at the end of Parshish Mishpatim, uh, It is a debate among the Kamtes, already in the Michalta actually, whether this is out of order or not. So I really would recommend, if you have the opportunity, open a chumash up and take a look at Parshish Mishpatim, Perchav Dal Pasagalov, even though you shouldn't use that. Uh, <laughs> way of, th- of, of uh, calculating, but nevertheless, we'll do it. So, what does it say over there? This is the scene where Moshe and the others are told to go up the mountain, and then Moshe has an experience, and they have a certain experience by yourself. Hey, throw, we'll get to that in a second. Uh, here's how you have to explicate, in my opinion, that's all you get here, is my opinion. I have to get a uh, uh, very fascinating text. So put on your Maimonides hats, heck with that, put on your of these hats, and uh, let's take a look. The El Moshe Omar... Right, in part, Ralph. El Hashem. I'll read it different. El Moshe Amar el Adonoi. Atah, Aaron, nodavaviu of Aviyu, v'shimiziknez Yisrael, merachok. He read the whole thing. Now, how do you translate that? El Moshe Amar to Moses, he said, no, it was God is speaking." El Hashem, go up to Hashem. Go up to Yerkevavkei. Atah, the Aaron, not of Aviyu, v'shimiziknez Yisrael, merachok. Now I told you this year for some reason I'm drawn, perhaps as a result of the pressure of the podcast, which is a good thing to the diktuk and the Hebrew grammar. And a lot of times you find violations of the rules in the text of the Chumash. So look closely at this verse. Vel Moshe Amar, assumingly God is speaking, Ale El Hashem Ata Bar No, it should be Alu. Ale is Lashin Yachid. and he's saying over there, Ato the Aaron Nodavaviv B'Shimtik Zikni Yisroel. So God is saying, as a Tzivoi. Uh, go up, you guys. You guys. Uh, you know, uh, uh, Aaron and the, all the others. So it should be Alu. Now, you could answer me back that he's speaking specifically to Moshe and then he's telling Moshe, go tell the others. But the puzzle doesn't say that. You know, it says, Alei El It's an interesting way of pushing it. And then it says, Don't say It's a So it's using plural at the end. And then it goes on to say, and only Moses should go up to Hashem. We just said, I want all you guys to go there. So you see, one is Ale and one is Nigash. Forget about them. Forget all about that. And then you skip down after they do the ceremony. And then when you get to verse 9, it says, Again, that's the wrong Hebrew. It's a Vayalu. Vayal Moshe is singular, right? So, uh, what's happening over there? Uh, and then all of a sudden it switches to plural. So, this is a famous scene that's been uh, commented on by everybody. What is going on over here? Now, here's what I mean. When you read the Chumash maturely, so, how do you say, for example, at the beginning, I've made this point many times. So you don't say, in the beginning, of the Lord created heaven and earth. I know that. But what do those terms mean? So you ask somebody, I even said in the class, say, heaven. They say, well, that's where God lives. God doesn't live in heaven. God created heaven. You understand? God doesn't live in heaven. Now, you can retort back to me that there are verses which say, Shina, Suza, Romim, you know, you know that God dwells in heaven. But those are not to be taken literally, because God created time and space, along with everything else. And consequently, God doesn't live anywhere. you understand? He's not in time and space. Now, but Moshe Mosha Alei so, uh, my point is as follows. Yud ke vav is is Hashem. We're using the word Hashem. Yud kei, what is the meaning of Yud and a he and a vav and a he? The simplest meaning, even though it's mystical, what they call the tetragrammaton, the four letter name of God, is, you know, uh, mehaveh. Me can I use that word? Uh, that which caused all existence. E X I S T E N C E. Right? All existence. Uh, whatever exists. Povah, as we call it right, in Hebrew, that's keep up, this, is the, 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 this is the cause of it all, cause of everything. So uh, that's a heavy concept. In other words, let's put it this way: If you define God in, the, in those terms, then it becomes impossible to understand what God means, because if God created everything, there's no word you can use uh, to, to, to ascribe, uh, ascribe to God. You can't say he's God Ol of none of those words are true. You can't say Atova Me or uh, El, none of those words are true. What do I mean when I say in those words the true? God has no attributes. If He created everything, then He's not good. God created good, so He can't be what He created. There was a time when, if I can use that expression, there was a time when good didn't exist, and God created. So He can't be, you know, endowed with that uh, attribute because that would mean that good was around before God, and He fit into that. Or good is a larger category than God, and He fit into that. And we don't say we say the opposite. A yud, a hey, vav, and a hey. God made everything, literally everything. This is not so easy for everybody to grasp. And frankly, you know, Moshe is getting there even. Now listen, now Rashi versus the other mafarshim. you know, it's Machogs and Michalta, did this happen before the Ten Commandments or after the Ten Commandments? So let's just go, for the heck of it, let's just go with Rashi for a second. So before the Ten Commandments, what's going on? I've made this point now in several podcasts. The story of the Exodus of the Book of Shemoz is an evolution, the theological evolution. At first, they only know it's Elohim, Yitzhak Yaakov, Elohim, you know, that kind of thing. So how do the Jews understand God, ancestor God uh, of their ovos, a a very powerful one, uh, stronger than the gods of Egypt, uh, master of nature, that's the ten plagues. They didn't know he could do the ten plagues before he did the ten plagues. Matter of fact, when God starts out, it's with a cheap trick, it's with the uh, snake of Aaron, you know, the staff of Moses which swallows, uh, you know, the, the, the snakes. I mean, that's a cheap trick. Even the Medesh says it's a cheap trick. Tevenato mevi lefreim, I think that's the expression over here, bring coals to Newcastle. So, you know, what is God? You just tell me something they can pull off uh, supernatural shticks and tricks. That's not more. Uh, now, that was according to Uh You know, you can't tell somebody right away a philosophical concept of God. Uh, Maimonides writes about this many times. I've just off the heck of it. You remember when he has the igeris tchias amesem, he raises the question: Why isn't resurrection mentioned in the chumash? Not clearly, anyway. And uh, he says, because the Jewish people weren't ready for it at that time, which means, and that's a yisod of the Rambam, by the way. That's a yisod. He says over there b'shalch parasam v'lo nachemam which the Rambam takes as the basic Yesod to mean that at the time the Jews left Egypt, they're in a low philosophical madrega and therefore, if they would have seen Milchama, they would have turned back. And God did not endow them, Shazam, with a high understanding of knowledge. Uh, he, they had to evolve into it naturally. That's why, by that's exactly why the Rama says they took the people on a roundabout route, until they would be ready, or perhaps their children would be ready after being hardened by the desert experience to face the Polishtim and the other people in Canaan. So, you don't God doesn't cheat, so to speak. People have to evolve in a natural, organic way into a higher understanding. Well, that's what's going on in this week's project. Uh What happened over here? Remember, according to Rashi, this happened before the Ten Commandments. So when the Ten Plagues happened, they said, wow, God can do doms right there, a marv, dev, and all that. That's pretty amazing. And the biggest trick of all of the ten plagues is the makas b'chorus, where you can, you know, the Imam can be Mamkin ben a etipa. You know, the, here's a Jew and here's a Egyptian in the Jewish house, and one dies and the other doesn't die. So if you're the Jews, you say, "Holy Lord, look at that!" Well, I hope they don't say "Holy cow," but you know, uh, you know, what I'm saying, uh, like, look at that. And uh, and then they see that he can take them out and split the Red Sea. Wow, look at that! And then it says he can make the uh, salty water sweet. Look at that. They don't know that this is, uh, is happening. You understand? They don't know this sort of thing. Now, uh, let's lay this out. Then comes, according to the story, uh, they get to Harsina. But before they get to Harsina, they're going to see God. At least that's what we say. But that's impossible. So they're going to have an experience of God. So what does that mean? So Hashem is telling, this is my understanding, I'm just sharing my understanding. Before the people have that revelation on Shavuos, there has to be a prep, some kind of preparatory experience, at least for the elites, to understand better what's going to happen on Harsinai, so that then they will be able to interpret to the people what the people think they saw and what they think they saw and they heard. Because, for example, they're going to hear the voice of God. That sounds like God is a voice. They're not going to stand from a Philosophical perspective that God created a voice. They're going to hear a coal chauffeur. They're going to think there's some big chauffeur out there. They're not going to understand that God created a coal of a chauffeur without a chauffeur being there. And so forth and so forth. You know, uh, as the will put it, they're going to see things that can be heard and they're going to hear things that can only be seen. So they're going to have a weird experience. If you have a weird experience, then you need someone to interpret it for you. So just standing here, Sinai, uh, and I remember the Menacher makes this point. Then Hashem tells Moshe, get off the mountain, because the people think that there are two gods up here, you and me. Uh, so uh, the people will see something, but they will mis- there's a danger of misinterpreting, you see? And so preparatory, again, I'm going like Rashi here. So as a preparatory business, Hashem says to Moshe, you, I'm talking about you, just you, alei el adonoi, go, come up, alei. It doesn't mean go up the mountain. I mean, it means that too. But what does Alei mean? Uh, el Yudkei Vavkei. You have to mentally, and intellectually, rise. You have to have an Aliyah to the concept of Yudkei Vavkei. The God is literally clear. Because you, 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 now, by the time I'm finished with you, Moshe, you're going to have it. But it's not easy for people to hop. And you're going to have it in a way that nobody else understands it. And you and I know the story of Shamos, that by the time this is all over, Moshe is going to get closer than anybody else, except that when he says to God, show me your face, God will say, I'm not going to show you my face, as we all know the story. So he's going to be going to, as close as possible, a possible human being to be, which, of course, is not close at all from a strictly you know, mathematical perspective, because you're talking about something that's beyond. But you know what I'm saying. We use the term close in a relative sense that will be more than you and more than me. Uh, and these words are there. So, El Moshe Amar, Ale using Loshni Yachid, Ale El Yudke Vavke. Now, it's going to be you. You're also going to have some other people over there, right? Not of Avio and Aaron and all that. But the next verse says, Venigash Moshe about El Yudke Vavke. But only Moshe will get close, or closer. Vehaim Logi Gashu. Look at the words it says. So this is a remarkably, uh, to me anyway, a fascinating spiritual, uh, philosophical, uh, metaphysical uh, pair of verses. Nigash and the Hamonam down there lo yalima forget about it. So the representation on on, on will be that most, you know that the people around the mountain mean and as it says you can't go up the mountain. Don't even try to figure it out. You were going to need an interpreter. And indeed, how did the story develop? You and I know that after the first two uh, uh, commandments, the people say to Moshe, they say to him, we can't handle this. This is beyond us. You want, you, you be the intermediary. So it's not only intermediary because the sound is too loud, but it's intermediary in the sense, we don't know what we're seeing. We need you to explain to us what we're saying. So the Torah we have is a mediated Torah, mediated through the person of Moshe Rabbeinu, who was chosen by God for this purpose, because God calls on him publicly front of everybody else. As the Rambam puts it so famously, pointing at the posse, <speaking in Hebrew> For what reason? <speaking in Hebrew> it says those words. So the Har Sinai experience is one in which God is going to appoint a mediator, as it will, to, you know, be the uh, the, the one who explains and mediates the experience that they're going to have. So this is just fascinating. People can have experience, but then they have to be able to interpret it, because otherwise they don't know what they sing. They don't understand what they're hearing. It says, ha'om lo ya- mo. Now, okay, what happens then? Because remember, Moshe, all he knows is what I told you. Wow, this is a God that can split the sea. Wow, this is a God that can, uh, you know, make the uh, salty water sweet. Uh, you know, he doesn't know the full business. Now, skip over a few psukim to verse test 9. Vayal Moshe Uh Now, by the way, ladies are nice, and so they're always looking for a nice shot. So I forget who it was, Mrs. Vidiver, maybe maybe or maybe with Moshe's mother. They said, well, Vayal means b'lei That's a nice Hasidic uh, vart. But, I mean, what's really going on over here? Vayal, Moshe, Vayaron, in verse, tes, in verse 9. So it says Vayal, the singular. Moshe and Aaron. So only Moshe is Vayal, it's singular, because uh, it not say Vayalu. So they're all going up the mountain, but only Moshe is going Vayal. The use of the funny, uh, which I say, uh, verbs, is a wonderfully subtle way, in my mind, of informing the educated reader, as the Rambam puts it, you know what's really happening over here. Notice that Vayal is only going to Moshe, although the others are going up the mountain. You see, but the real Aliyah, the Aliyah El Yud Kevavke, is a singular experience. Now, what happens to the others? In the next pasuk, so it doesn't say they see Yud Kevavke. They do not rise to that point because they're not holding by it. Only as, as God said earlier, Vinigash Moshe lavado El Yud Kevavke v'hem lo yigashu." So all they get to is el Hey Yisrael. Now, I'm not a Kabbalist. I know in Kabbalistic terms, el Hey Yisrael has a very specific uh, uh, technical meaning. But even putting that aside, for el Hey Yisrael, they could only get to the point of El-Heh Yisrael, which is a Knows Hashem, in terms of of his relationship to a, uh, to a Yisrael, which uh, is a, what shall, what shall I say, a transcendent idea. In Judaism, many people don't know this, we have the idea of Klal Yisrael being like a, a supreme metaphysical reality. In other words, there is such a thing physically to call the Jewish people. I get that. You know? <laughs> I understand that. And it's in so and so many million uh, persons. But beyond that, there's what you call sacred nationalism, the genius of the people. or I don't know what you call it. In, 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 I'm trying to take a, 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 a mystical term and use English words for it. But the Chefza of a Yisrael is considered a, a supreme thing in the in the universe. The Maral writes about this extensively, but I don't want to go on that. So, it says in the words, they didn't see UK Vavke, but they saw something called El Hay So, to use simple language, they had a lower experience than Moshe is going to have. Get it? They have a lower, because they're limited. They, they're not Moshe. That's the whole point of the story. They are the elite. It's Aaron. That's a big person. It's not of an Avio and all that. Shibam and Zigni They're very big people. They're an elite, but they ain't Moshe. And all they see is Kemasa and to me it's just interesting. Besachas Raglov and underneath God's feet, however you understand that. But it seems to indicate a lower level of perception, right? A lower level of possession. Maybe it means the heart's adom ragli, you know, in an earthly way, but anyway, live living the Sasapir. I don't know what it means by the brick. I mean, I know the interpretation, so I'm just saying what does it mean to me? I don't know. But here's the interesting one. Uh shamaimla lator, And their perception was what they saw was etzem hashamayim lator. Now, how do you translate that? So, okay, you can do a dumb translation: the essence of the heaven and purity, like Ratzvole, whatever that means. You know, ha-shamayim hashamayim lator. But you know enough Hebrew. Shamayim. What does shamayim mean? They they see, not exactly good kevavke. They see L O K Yisrael, and they see below his regel, right below his feet, etzem hashamayim latohar, Just a, a a wonderful phrase. They see the sky. No, well, that's how many translated. No, 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 that's not what it means. Shemay. What does Shemay mean? Bereishu says Shemay Vesarits. The heavens. Don't give me the heavens. So, what does it mean, right? It's the metaphysical, correct? Bereishu says Shemay Vesarits. The beginning. God created the metaphysical world, spiritual world, if you like that. Vesarits in the physical world doesn't mean the land and the and the sky. It means the metaphysical and the physical. So, what do they see? They see God as Etsim Hashemayim latar, like a certain pure. Existence, uh, like metaphysically. In other words, they understood God in the sense of beyond time and beyond space. That's pretty heavy. A lot of people scratch their head and they say, Whoa, what does he mean by that? This is already hurting my brain. Like a lady told me this morning, this is hurting my brain. Uh, you see where I'm going? Ez Shemaim They could perceive God as a, as a non body thing. Shemaim, Ez Shemaim Le they could see an etzem, which is like a a a, a, a distinct identity. A shamayim, which is metaphysical and is not bound by time and space. Latohar, and they could see it in a pure sense. So that means like this. They got a pretty heavy dose. They're pretty good. This is Aaron you're talking about, Arun Ekoin, and the Shem the Shimzignizeral. It's a pretty heavy dose. And they see Latohar. So at least they understood that God's not sitting up there. He's not in heaven as many think, but God created heaven, so to speak. Meaning He's not metaphysical. He created the metaphysical. I repeat, God is not metaphysical, even though somebody said like this. Listen, if God is not bound by time and space, and metaphysics is not bound by time and space, then God must be in metaphysics. That's a wrong tautology. God created it all, and he created both zones. The area is not bound by time and space, as well as the physical universe, which is bound by time and space. And uh, the Hamon Am is always going to think of God as you know, someone who appeared to us, Mamas at our Sinai, so he was in time and space. Uh, they heard a voice. They saw the Kol of the whole floor show. They saw the koloshofer, So, as far as they know, God is there somewhere. Uh, God is somewhere and came down. That's what the verse says. God came down from the heavens to uh, you know to our Sinai or something like that, right? And the people went up to meet him, or Moshe went up to meet him. That's how they're going to understand it. They, they're not going to be able to chop to, 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 to that. Not at their stage of development in history. But uh, the, the, uh, the elders and Aaron will get Etzema Shamayim They'll understand that no, God is uh, not bound by time and space. Moshe will be even better at that. He'll be good kevovke. He'll understand that God created <laughs> Shamayim and Lotor. Uh, so that's really cool. You see over here like a three tiered experience uh, hinted at in these words which you have to sort of decode. Not that it's a code like, you know, like a, a code breaker, but you have to understand the meaning of the words. I don't think I've said anything uh, surprising or weird, but we never read the Pesukim like that. We don't think of Yod Kei, Kei in this sense, uh, you know, because we're usually thinking like we did when we we're young, you know. Uh, now, by the way, what happened? They didn't get killed. That's the end of the, of the passage. So they saw not Yod Vovke. And they didn't say they saw Ho Elohim, which I can only take to be a reference to Yisrael. That's what it said they saw before. And then Vayuch levi'shtu. So that itself is a famous ending passage. I think I talked about it last year. Uh, you know, it depends how you want to read it. If you're Hasidic, you'll say Vayuch levi'shtu. Oh boy, like the Rizal, uh, which I, inspired by this vision, they turned food into sacred objects. Because, you know, like the Masila Sharm says, if you're the real thing, then, oh my goodness, uh, even the food you eat is a, a, a double shabba Kedusha if you're on that Madrega. That's all, take a look at the chapter on Kedusha in, uh, what he called it, in the Masila Sharm, for example. It's a well-known idea. I don't know how well-known it is, but it's, it's out there. Uh, so, then they eat in a sublime state. This is actually the origin of the Hasidic customs of eating all the time. The kid, but in America, they're called Kiddush, you know. I'm not talking about Kiddush Rishon, obviously. That ain't a spiritual experience. But I'm talking about not the Kiddush Rishon. I'm talking about the regular Kiddush, a Hasidic Tish or something like that. When it's the real McCoy, you know, there's Rebbe's and there's Rebbe's. But let's say you got the real Rebbe, something like that. When it's the real thing, then the ideal that which they're striving is of course, if you're not, if you're a Litvok, then you're like, it's all baloney. And then you go and you do like the other Mepharsham mistake, say like this. The experience that they had was too much for them. Just like the lady said, this is hurting my brain, I can't handle this anymore. You know, you're, you're, it's, it's too heavy of an experience. They shut down. They turned it off. And then they said, "Yes, that's enough. We ain't going higher up the mountain in the physical sense and we ain't going higher up the mountain in the mental, intellectual, and philosophical sense. What we saw is enough and this is already a little bit too much. Let's switch back to Gashmias. And they sat down and they had a picnic. They sat down and had a picnic. I think Rashi is the one who says that. And this is the basis of the opinion that none of Avio later are killed because of this sin. Right? It's a matter of I remember in, in the none of an they that uh, they, this is a terrible sin. Because, uh, I mean, let's put it this way. What, you make a kiddish in the middle of a uh, uh, of, of, uh, divine worship? You know, like like a rabbi would say in the shul today, make a kiddish. Rishon, you're way crazy. And, uh, and, Big, or something like that. I think Rashi might say this somewhere. Uh, if if you look over here, uh, yeah, I see. I'm opening Rashi now. Okay. So in other words, the the by is a negative uh kind of a, a, a statement, but either way it denotes, you know, this a remarkable experience in which you have El Elkei Israel. Yod which we always translate as Hashem. I mean, I get that, or uh, you know, or Adonoy, and the uh, other. But none of those are what the real word really means. It really means that which causes all existence. Of course, Yod means other things than that. It's like a very heavy term, and there literally are farm written on this. You know, the uh, the Rambam and others. I mean, uh, down and Yerusha, I mean, you know, there's a huge number of literature on this. But at the, if I can use the term Pashab Shad, associated with this, this is what's happening. And so, this is, like I said before, I'm just going with the Rashi today because of time constraints, and let's say this is all the preparatory for Sinai, Uh because it happens, so it's out of order. So, even though it's the end of Mishpatim, really happened at the beginning of, uh, you know what I mean, at the beginning of Yisro. Uh, and so you see uh, a very Gersonides, Maimonides kind of approach, in which God is saying, I will reveal myself to the Jewish people, but that doesn't mean they'll be able to interpret it, what happened. Uh, there's always the problem of interpretation. Uh, you know, phenomena are not enough. There's always the mediation and problem of interpretation. Uh, to use a more mundane example, there was enough, uh, you know, information not to be bombed at Pearl Harbor by surprise or nine eleven. They knew information or Israel to be surprised at the Yom Kippur War or face uh, Stalin to be surprised by Hitler. They did not interpret the data correctly. You understand? So here the emphasis is on endowing Moshe with the ability to interpret the data. So then he will be able to tell the people over the next 40 years, don't think you saw a golden calf. Don't think you saw multiple gods. Don't think you saw their stuff. You, what you saw was something you didn't understand what you're saying because it's, it's indescribable, but there's one God, and I'm going to use you know, physical terms or even uh, even non-physical terms to describe Hashem, because Moshe does, and the you have it, but always put an asterisk there and say it's not really what it means because God really is yud ke which means the cause of everything, once you understand the cause of literally everything, the creation of everything, then there's no word that you can apply for it. And so there you have the paradox of religion and what comes to be the paradox of the Mount Sinai experience, in which God reveals himself, but it can't be that God revealed himself. You know what I mean? In other words, yeah, well, it, can't, it can't mean what we usually understand by the term revelation. And this paradox lies at the uh, heart of of any rel- serious religious experience, and uh, is the beginning, it's Reish Shachma, and the Rambam of all people, I remember a passage in Mordavuchim where he says, the first thing you have to do is meaning that the first thing you have to do is understand what I just described to you, God is the cause of everything, otherwise you do have meaning when you and I, daven or think about Hashem or any way, and we can't help but think in this term or that term, or that He's Rachim, uh, and all the rest of it, if you don't pinch yourself and put an asterisk there, then at the end of the day, you're worshiping something that does not exist. That's what the Rambam says. You're worshiping something that does not exist. Uh, but on the other hand, you have no choice. What you have to do is say, I guess, I'm thinking these terms. It's the best I can think of, but I know I'm putting an asterisk there. I know God is beyond this, Hasaga also. Anyway, if I've uh, uh, you know made this uh, a little bit uh, difficult to understand, that's my intention. This is a hard uh, nugget. Now, what I leave to you... Because I got to go teach now. What I leave to you is how will you and this is you if you want to have fun this week. How will you interpret if you go not like Rashi, you know, like go like the Ramban and the others that this happened post Shavuos, okay? This is a post Sinai experience. Would you interpret it, And everything I just said still applies. So is this something that's necessary after the Sinai experience? Because the people are misinterpreting what they saw yesterday on Shavuos. Are there other ways of approaching it? It's actually in my mind a very fascinating topic and it's very uh, worthwhile to uh, to go to work on for the serious student of the chomish. have a good day For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast please visit our donate page at www.support dot